Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Sky Guasco. This is episode 200 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. I'm humbled by the support from you listeners and the participation from current co-host Lucas Kaser, former co-host Daniel Sancato and Ryan Curley-Para, as well as all the accounts and individuals who have played an incredible role in building the TCK Pod brand. Daniel and I started this podcast as a passion project in August of 2018, and it's now listened to in over a dozen countries all over the world, including England, which hosts two of our upcoming guests on this two-part collaboration. In this first part of episode 200, I sit down with three guests. First up, the original co-host, Daniel and I sit down to discuss some players we feel have better redraft value than dynasty value and vice versa. Then in the second segment, I sit down with our East Coast brothers, Chris and Eric from the Commish FFP to discuss the best value picks available at current ADP. And then finally, I link up with our first international guest on the TCK Pod family, my man Josh Knott, a.k.a. the Fantasy Footballer UK, coming all the way in from Manchester, England, across the pond in the UK to discuss some breakouts. I had an absolute blast in this three-part collaboration and i can't wait for more on friday stay tuned for that in the second part of episode 200 make sure to subscribe to the channel leave a rate and review for the podcast follow us on ig at fantasy football underscore tck pod on twitter at tck underscore pod and find our rankings and articles at tckpod.com also stay tuned for more info of our upcoming draft guide and the tck pod listener league year three We've got a lot to cover. It's over an hour of fantasy football content, so let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, we are so excited. The first guest of the 200th episode of the TCK Pod, the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast, the original OG, the original co-host of the podcast, my man, BFF4L, childhood homie, Daniel Sancato, back in the place, out of retirement, to come in and guest appear on the podcast for the Big 200. My man, thanks for making some time. It's great to see you. What's up? Always a pleasure, man. Yeah, I, I, I sort of uh, am on this trajectory where I kind of appear every, every few months or so to, uh, <laughs> to, to, to spout off some nonsense to, to you all. But uh, yeah, it's good, good to be every time I get a chance to, to come on the podcast. It's always a treat. Appreciate it, man. Always, always a pleasure, never a chore, as we say. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll save a lot of it. Longtime listeners uh, know Daniel already. If you don't, um, Daniel and I literally grew up childhood buddies down the street from each other. We've been playing Little League and shit. Uh, his dad was one of my f- first coaches ever at about eight, nine years old. Um, love your parents. and Go Bisons. Other Go Bisons, that's right. Uh, and uh, furthermore, we did start the podcast uh, with our buddy Curly um, a few uh, seasons ago, and it has grown now into the TCK Pod brand, the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast, and uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. So you're on, to, you're on to other things these days in life, so you're not able to do it full-time, and obviously we brought Lucas Kaser in, who's been fucking smashing. Um, no complaints there, obviously. No, he's he's uh, way smarter than me, folks. <laughs> way smarter. He's been doing a great job, but we had, we had to bring you in, man, to, to kick it back. So, hey, these are going to be quick, segmented episodes. We've got six people coming on for the 200 episode as I mentioned in the intro let's get right into it dude we'll save the fluff for another podcast what we're going to do here with you and I is we're going to break down the difference between redraft value and dynasty value as of drafts this season okay so obviously dynasty is a whole different conversation than redraft in general but this particular draft season as we come into the summer the draft is behind us free agency is behind us rookies are placed we're going to 
talk through one position each for uh, one player per position, I should say, each um, of better redraft value this year, but not so much in the dynasty long-term per se. And then we're going to flip the script on the second half and we're going to say better dynasty value long-term, but maybe not redraft for a number of reasons. So without any further ado, man, it's a pleasure. Let's have some fun. I'm going to let you kick it off. Of course, give me a quarterback here that has maybe better redraft value this year, but maybe not so much dynasty value moving forward and why. Yeah, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with which I think may be kind of a hot take, which is Deshaun Watson. And first of all, before, let me just before I get into him, I could say I could have gone with any you know number of of aging you know past their prime quarterbacks that obviously still have value now, but won't in a few years. Could have gone with Brady. Could have gone with Matt Stafford. There's any number of directions I could have gone with this, but I wanted to sort of, I guess, have a take a have a little bit more of a hot take if you will but Deshaun Watson I'm kind of fading to some extent in both redraft and dynasty but I'm fading him more in dynasty just because I'm incredibly worried about the direction of the Houston Texans I think Bill O'Brien in my opinion has zero business making the teams to see he may be a fine coach but he's I, in my opinion, completely useless as a GM. Um, and uh, and ultimately, they he's now has to rely on, even just this upcoming year, he has to rely on two admittedly really talented and insanely fast receivers, Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks. You could throw Kenny Stills in that as well, who I still think is actually underrated, quite frankly. Um, but all these guys have a ton of injury history. And just in general, I think as long as some combination of Fuller, Cooks, Stills, and Randall Cobb can be healthy this year, I still think he has value this year in redraft leagues. Um, That's why I put him in this category is just because even though I'm worried about the injury history, I'm also worried about David Johnson. Obviously has a lot of question marks as their new, I guess, bell cow running back. Um, You know, so I still think he's, he's easily in the top, uh, maybe six QBs just based on pure talent alone. This just for the record is purely about the situation. Nothing to do with the player. I love Deshaun Watson. I hate doing this cause he's on my, my dynasty team. Um, but, uh, but I just, I don't, I wouldn't quite frankly be in love with anybody on the Houston Texans in, in terms of dynasty, just because I think that team is headed in a really lousy direction. I don't really trust anything that's going on over there. So that's why I put him in this category. Um, he could totally, I mean, obviously he's still young, insanely talented. If he ends up in another situation or the, the Texans turn it around, this could be a total, totally moot point. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it is a hot take only because, you know, Deshaun Watson is immensely talented. However, I think, you know, I don't, I can't really agree with any of your points as to why uh, they have a tough schedule. David Johnson's going to have a tough schedule. We don't know what version we're going to get. He was number four with the Cardinals last year, running back yeah. four before he got hurt. And then Kenyon Drake came in obviously and dominated. So we don't know what we're going to get with David Johnson. Um, and I get you any of those receivers. Uh, could get hurt and be done for the season, concussion away, uh, ACLs, you know, all sorts of injuries. I'm, I'm concerned as well. Deshaun Watson might be the bright spot for the Houston Texans moving forward, but I agree with you that it's very, very uncertain right now. Obviously, losing DeAndre Hopkins doesn't hurt anybody or doesn't help anybody, I should say. So uh, I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, kind of a strong take right off the bat, but I hear your I hear your reasoning there. So you're not interested. Um, Dynasty-wise, redraft-wise, you're, you're willing to take a, take a stab? I'm, I'm almost willing to take a stab if, if solely on the basis of the fact that he's just that good. And after you get past the what I think the top five, which is basically uh, Jackson, Mahomes, Prescott, uh, Russell Wilson, Kyler. Maybe, I would say I, I kind of rank Kyler and, and Watson in roughly similar terrain. Um, but Kyler obviously has a lot more weapons to play with. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I kind of, I still think Watson is talented enough to be in that top run. Um, so, so I still think he's worth 
taking a flyer on. But I just until until that team turns it around and starts making some better decisions, I don't really want to invest in anybody over there uh, for a long term investment like a, like a dynasty league. Fair. I'm going to jump here. My quarterback is one of those old uh, aging veterans. I was looking at it too. I thought about Brady. I thought about Rogers, uh, Matt Ryan, um, a big Ben. I mean, there's a lot of guys at this point. However, I went with Drew Brees. Again, this is good value in redraft, not so much in dynasty. Dynasty is easy. He's 41 years old. He could retire in a season, two, three, four seasons, whatever. Um, But in redraft, he's a seventh round ADP. Yes, please. Uh, he's had almost 3000 yards, 27 touchdowns and just four picks in 11 games last year. Of course he got hurt, missed five games for Teddy B to step up and go get paid for some reason in Carolina, but that's another (laughs) pace over 16 games. Drew Brees had over 4,000 yards. Once again, 39 touchdowns and just six interceptions, which would have been QB six in 2019 ahead of Josh Allen and Kyler Murray, which I think everybody's drafting both of those guys and the big five, as you mentioned, uh, over Drew Brees this year. So if I somehow don't get one of those top, top quarterbacks, the last guy I think has like legit QB1, like the QB1, if everything falls, uh, although he doesn't run the ball, um, he does have that ability at least top five in the seventh round. I'll go Drew Brees all day. Obviously, Dynasty, he is uh, out to pasture pretty soon. But let me some Drew Brees. That's going to be our quarterback. Let's jump right into running back here and uh, let me know who your running back is. Uh, Good in redraft, not so much in dynasty. Yeah, I'm going to go with Chris Carson. Uh, Another guy that I am worried about, certainly in redraft, uh, given his fractured hip injury. Fractured hips, as it turns out, are bad Um, and and don't tend to predict good things. But um, but he is still, you know, pretty young, 25. um, And and I and as it stands, I mean, I don't see a whole lot of immediate competition. Uh, They drafted DJ Dallas in in the fourth round, who who is interesting. Uh, Rashad Penny, probably I get the sense, probably going to be in the year on PUP. Um, so he's not somebody you're going to be going to be seeing a lot from at least early on. So I, I just kind of see Chris Carson as being assuming what they say is true and that he is relatively likely to be ready for, for workouts uh, in preseason. Um, he's he's still, I think, a very serviceable option um, for, for redraft leagues. But um, the Seahawks just seem to kind of get, get these guys that are just these bruising, mm-hmm. uh, you know, running backs that just like get bang the hell up over and over and over again. I, I think of Thomas Rawls as another name that comes to mind of like another kind of, uh, of course, uh, Marshawn Lynch. Similar. Yeah. Marshawn Lynch as well. Carson's kind of just like a larger, more productive version of Thomas Rawls in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that, that for whatever reason, Pete, Pete Carroll has just decided to throw all his, all his support behind. Um, anyway, I, I don't want to knock Chris Carson. He's actually done a pretty tremendous job actually over the last couple of years, but um but I just think his injury history, um, the way he runs the ball, um, eventually you have to imagine that they're going to come. They're going to have a viable replacement. Like I said, they drafted DJ Dallas to potentially fill that role. Rashad Penny still lurking uh, and might eventually be healthy. Um, so, so that's why I still think, given opportunity, he's a he's a, a decent bet in redraft leagues. Uh, I'm I would stay nowhere, go nowhere near him in, in a dynasty format. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. And DJ Dallas fits that mold as well. He's a solid yeah. solid running back too, so right. I, I agree with you. And any of these guys in this first segment here, any of these guys you're going to want to draft and then potentially look to like back up after the fact just in case, but uh, worth it in redraft, not so much in Dynasty. Totally. All right, I'm going to go with Todd Gurley, TG3, for the same reasons. I mean, there's no secret what Todd Gurley has been in the past. 
It, we were wary about it last year. It turns out he was okay. He's only 25 somehow, but I'm not liking him in Dynasty because of those arthritic knees already. Yeah. He had 1,000 yards and 14 touchdowns last year. He's been a top five running back in PPR over his entire career. He had 98 touches over the final five games, which is nearly 20 touches per game. Atlanta running backs have averaged 1,383 yards and almost 10 touchdowns on the ground while averaging 572 yards and five touchdowns through the air over the last three years. Devonta Freeman has been solid, but I don't think any of those running backs are to the capability of Todd Gurley. I like this offense. The Rams offensive line was 31st in the NFL last year in run blocking. Absolutely piss poor. The Falcons have done a great job revamping that offensive line. They're going to have positive game scripts. I think Gurley goes from a pretty solid offense in, in LA to a better offense in um, Atlanta. And uh, I, I like Todd Gurley a lot. And I think you're able to get the value with him. He was, you know, the number one running back off the board just two years ago. And now you're able to get him about the third round. So if I go wide receiver, wide receiver, or if I went like CMC or Saquon and then, you know, a uh, uh, wide receiver, and I got Gurley as my RB2 in the third round, I'm pumped all day. So I'm going to take a stab on Todd Gurley. And again, I'm going to back up my roster in the last part of my draft because I can't count on a full season. But 10 games, 12 games of a solid Todd Gurley in that offense, sign me yeah. up all day. Yeah, I mean, if this is if this is kind of in some sense Gurley's last stand as a bell cow, like, I mean, if he can't, if he can't succeed in this situation, which he's basically unchallenged in a high-powered offense, um, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of going to be the end of him as being a, a bell cow back for sure. 100%. Let's jump into the wide receivers. Yeah, let's roll. So I'm going into uh, – I'm going for Devontae Adams. Um, this is, I think, in some sense, I, I perceive this as one of the biggest differences in, in uh, redraft and – or excuse me, redraft and dynasty unless he gets moved. Um, I, I just – the Green Bay is, is most certainly seems to be shifting to just a run-heavy, ground-and-pound approach. Um, they, he's – obviously, this upcoming year, he's still got Aaron Rodgers, who is still good and obviously has, like, insane – almost unparalleled insane chemistry with Devontae Adams. So he should be – in my opinion, he's probably the second or at, at worst third wide receiver off the board in drafts this year. Um, but uh, I just I just don't like where the Packers are going in terms of the types the type of team they're turning into. They also failed to add. Sorry, Devin Funches. Uh, they failed to add a legit a legitimate target opposite of Adams. Um, and I can just imagine something of a disappointing uh, disappointing sort of uh, next few years. Uh, for Devonte Adams, like I said, he could be somebody. I'm not saying you know, by any means you uh, uh, should fade. Uh, should fade per se, but he's somebody that I worry about uh, in the in the next several years, and somebody you think about if you have him on your dynasty team. Uh, and let's say you have a team that has a kind of a stars and scrubs sort of approach, where you have a few really top players like Devonte Adams, and then just really really weak uh, depth. Uh, you could potentially trade Devonte for for three, you know, really solid players. Um, that's that would I would say that's a you know decent strategy that you should maybe consider uh, in in advance of this upcoming season. I think that's a great call, and especially in dynasty, you always want to sell high, right? Yeah. In, in, in dynasty and redraft are always very very different. Uh, but yeah, sell high, and I, I hear you. And and he's still at his peak, and and you should not not have him on your team. But again, this is the difference between this year's redraft and moving forward. Devonte Adams was my number one last year ahead of Nuke, and obviously got hurt. Um, but he was the wide receiver six uh, anyway. Um, dude's a beast. I love him. Uh, when Aaron Rodgers is in, is in San Francisco next year, though, I think it's going to really hurt Devontae mm -hmm. Adams. So I, I do agree with you that his long-term outlook is not as as good. I'm going to go right. with uh, I'm going to go with Julio Jones um, again. Redraft 
all day long, dude. I'll reach in the first round for Julio if I'm in the back end just to make sure I get him. He's my dog. You may be able to snag him in the back of the second, early third round in Dynasty Leagues, which is insane. I'm all about that. But obviously, he's 31. Um, since 2016, though, he's been wide receiver 6'5", five, 5'3", five, and three, respectively. He's been a top eight wide receiver since 2013. The only year that he wasn't, he was injured, and he was actually the wide receiver four in fantasy points per game that year anyway. So he's an absolute animal. 161.7 targets average over the last six seasons, and he's been a top six wide receiver routinely, as I mentioned. His 16-game pace with Calvin Ridley, wide receiver 10, which is obviously a concern, but his, wide rec- his pace without Calvin Ridley is far and away wide receiver one, uh, about four points per game ahead of Michael Thomas. Calvin Ridley's been a little bit banged up, a superstar in the making. I really believe that. But he's already been banged up in his young career. If he goes down somehow, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones are Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, Drew Brees, and Michael Thomas. He is going to have 20 to 22 targets a game. He may even score double-digit touchdowns. What a fucking concept. And if he does that, he's easily going to be the number one wide receiver. Julio's always got a special place in my heart. That's my dog. Yeah, I, I, think, I think Julio Jones is, is one of the greatest wide receivers ever in the history of football, 100%. quite frankly. And there's not much I think we need to say about is, either of these guys. But. <laughs> this is one of those things, quite frankly, where, where I get frustrated with fantasy's obsession with touchdowns because if it if – it, was just based on on yards and these other it, or it was more higher more weighting towards yards and things like that Julio would be the number one player basically every year 100 percent um, but uh, but he just for whatever reason has has had bad touchdown luck typically over the, over this career but anyway Dumb. Dumb. topic for another day I uh, totally agree all right man let's get into tight ends really quick and then we'll flip the script here um, and I want to speed this up just a little bit as we're doing these quicker segments yeah um, we don't need to say much about these tight ends but why don't you go ahead and roll through yours and I'll do mine as well yeah, uh, Jared Cook is my guy. I just say really quickly, I've faded Jared. For anybody who's been with the podcast for for since I was uh, doing this more frequently, I faded Jared Cook quite a bit. He's had a really actually quietly productive career. I was just looking him up six thousand one hundred and sixty nine receiving yards to date, uh, which is on pretty impressive teams. actually on on a bunch of different teams, yeah. right? Um, of course, the, the issue is simple. He's thirty three. Saints just drafted Adam Troutman. Uh, Adam Troutman, who has quite a bit of upside, as I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I'm not, I haven't followed him too much, but he could steal significant snaps, uh, even a little bit this upcoming year and certainly beyond that. So so, uh, so I'm, I would say Jared Cook is a pretty easy call for me on this one. I agree. Adam uh, Troutman, by the way, is the truth, and he's going to be incredible in that offense moving forward with Sean Payton loving the tight end. Uh, Zach Ertz is mine. Um, love Zach Ertz, but again, pushing 30 years old. Third round ADP, that's just too much of a reach for me. It's Kittle, Kelsey, or wait way the hell down the draft order for me. Um, they've got upgraded weapons in Philadelphia, Rager, Goodwin, um, Djax, Alshon, Goddard himself, who I'm going to bring up in the second segment. I love Zach Ertz, but I think last year you and I did our bold predictions and crazy calls, which of course we'll do again this year. And I had uh, made a call that, you know, Ertz was basically going to fade out of the top three. Goddard was going to get in the top six. Didn't quite happen, but I do think that could happen this year. Um, also, if Carson Wentz goes down, who knows what Jalen Hurts is going to actually be able to do in that offense. So Zach Hurts is my guy. All right, so those are our players that have better redraft value than dynasty value as of drafts this year. In the second half of this, I want to flip the script a little bit, and I want to talk about players who have maybe not as great of redraft value this year, but nice dynasty outlook and maybe for sake of time we can kind of shave 
the responses uh, yep. to each. Um, but you know, go ahead and 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 take yours away as as uh, efficiently as you can. I'll get through mine again. We're doing a quarterback each, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. Uh, better dynasty value than redraft value. Take it away. Yeah, man. So first of all, my bad. I, I forget how much I enjoy this, and I could go on all, all day about these fucking guys. But anyway, um, so anyway, my my uh, quarterback is Drew Locke. Pretty simple. Um, all of a sudden, the Broncos have basically one of the best skill position groups of, of any team in the entire league. Um, and uh, I I would say I'm given that his lack of experience and the fact that he obviously has a lot of growth in terms of harnessing his his very impressive arm, uh, I'd be a little wary of him this year, but definitely in dynasty leagues, uh, he's somebody to, to target. And Drew Locke was a sleeper, quote unquote, two weeks ago after the draft happened. <laughs> KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy, yeah, yeah. Albert O, Melvin Gordon, uh if anything for, for like over, yeah yeah well yeah, yeah. he's yeah. overvalued at this point i think yeah. um so we'll see of course uh lucas caser is is the uh the house broncos fan here and, and absolutely in love with them so I, I couldn't agree more there i'm gonna go with another young uh quarterback in his second year daniel jones of the giants 14th round adp again like cr- incredible value for daniel jones 3,300 3,000 passing yards 300 rushing yards last year in 13 games uh, Jones had two top 10 single performances um, by a QB. Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson were the only other two quarterbacks to do that in 2019. And he did not have one single game last year uh, as the Giants quarterback with Saquon, Evan Ingram, Shepard, Tate, and Slayton all healthy at the same time. If that were to happen, he's, he's easily um, a top 10 quarterback in my opinion. And last thing to add, of course, they have Jason Garrett, who is a longtime Cowboys coach now with the Giants. Dak Prescott was QB 6, 10, 11, and 2 under Jason Garrett. So I think that helps tremendously. I love Daniel Jones and that value. Again, this year, we'll see if all those pieces stay healthy and they can mold. I think he's a good value this year. Long term, though, I really, really believe that, that Daniel Jones is the truth. And he adds that rushing element that we love in fantasy football. All right, running backs, take it away. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go with Lev Bell here. And this is sort of maybe a hot take, but this is almost entirely based on the idea that I think he's going to not be a New York Jet after this upcoming year. Um, And thus will be escape Adam Gase's incompetence. And he's still 28. I mean, it's crazy to think that Lev Bell is still not that old. Um, and still probably has some good years left in him. Um, so he's somebody that I would absolutely be targeting despite his lackluster 2008, 2019 um, and, uh, yeah, I, I just, I think you might be in for another kind of frustrating year if you hold on to him through this upcoming year, but I still believe that if he ends up in the right situation, I'm not sure that he's quite Pittsburgh Steelers Lev bell, but I think he's very easily still, uh, a, a, a extremely valuable running back, uh, who's capable of, of carrying a lot of the load. So, um, so he's somebody I'm just looking at after this year to hopefully escape the clutches of Adam Gase and his horribleness as a coach. Sixth round ADP in dynasty leagues right now because people are like he's old, he's shitty, the Jets are bad, Adam Gase sucks, he's not Lev anymore. Yeah. I'm I'm a, I'm a non Lev Bell guy. Everybody yeah. knows that here on the podcast. However, in this particular situation for this particular conversation, I agree. I am punting Le'Veon Bell this year, pretty much no matter what in redraft. But in dynasty, if I grab him in the sixth round. That's insane. Just to take the chance that he's decent this year and he can crush it next year. Also, let's hope that your dream comes true at like week four. The Jets are one and three. Adam Gase finally gets fired. They let the cat out of the bag. We'll see what happens. Uh, Frank Gore, by the way, probably going to have more rushing touchdowns than Le'Veon Bell, but I'll leave it there. Probably true. All right. Um, 
you and I agreed before this that we were not going to talk about rookies, which I think is fair. <laughs> However, I do want to make a quick mention, and then I'll bring up another guy. Do so, your thing. We're not going to do rookies because they don't have anything in the NFL to compare to. There's one guy, though, with the value and the ability and the long term that I think I really want to make sure is on people's radars, and that's J.K. Dobbins of the Ravens. Now, DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, um, uh, Cam Akers, and the rest of these guys are getting drafted far higher, and they have a better opportunity this year. J.K. Dobbins is a beast, and he's going to be – Mark Ingram for the next five years after this year. So I'm not excited this year, but moving forward, I am 10th round ADP. I think he could be this year's Alvin Kamara. I've mentioned multiple times on this podcast. I got Alvin Kamara in the 10th round many years ago, kept him in a keeper league and he helped me go undefeated in a league because it was just insane value. That could be J.K. Dobbins this year. Ravens running backs had 393 rushing attempts last year. Evan Ingram or Mark Ingram, I should say, had 202 of those um, and 15 touchdowns. 10 rushing, 5 receiving. I think J.K. Dobbins gets some of that. Uh, so I just want to make sure J.K. Dobbins is on the radar. Right. Moving to a more relevant uh, running back this year, or not this year, but moving forward, Kareem Hunt. Now, we know that Nick Chubb is in his way right now, um, but Kareem Hunt, as well as Lev Bell, could move on. Uh, Kareem Hunt could potentially find himself a new job next year, potentially as a quote-unquote bell cow running back in his own right. Fifth-round ADP, there's no way I'm drafting him there in redraft this year, especially as a backup. Not going to take that. However, um, he could be leaving next year and could be a wide or running back one somewhere else. So I like that in dynasty leagues. You're going to have to reach for him. He's going to be expensive, but he could work out. And if Nick Chubb goes down with Kevin Stefanski in town, Mm-hmm. Kareem Hunt is top ten R- minimum. RB RB one potentially yeah, potentially yeah. potentially in the top six. Yeah, I totally agree. So those yeah. are my those are my two guys. Uh, let's do wide receivers and tight ends quick, and we'll bounce. One last comment on on uh, the Ravens. I'm fading basically every other running back on that team because of, because of that. Um, anyway, what was I going to say? Uh, where am I at here? Christian Kirk was my running back, or excuse me, my wide receiver for 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 this category. Um, I love Christian Kirk. I think he's like ridiculous I've always thought he was ridiculously talented I always thought he he had the talent to be a potentially wide receiver one um I am fading him a bit this year just because a obviously the the addition of of new Hopkins Larry Fitzgerald of course sticking around for one more year uh to me this is only a minor setback in sort of the grand scheme of things I think Kyler is going to continue to improve become an elite quarterback in this league um and I think there's going to be more than enough to go around to support two uh, high quality receivers over there um so I love Christian Kirk long term this year could be a little dicey um but uh but I still love the talent I still love the youth and I love the team uh in terms of what that offense is capable of going forward of course you and i are diehard niner fans uh we 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 are supposed to root against the rest of the nfc west however the cardinals and the maybe not so bungles are two teams i'm going to be rooting for just because this year because i really really like their trajectory as general nfl football teams we'll see what happens there i like that call all right my wide receiver uh with better dynasty value than redraft value this year is dk metcalf 22 years old, fifth-round ADP, not going to be doing that this year. Also, the schedules just came out. He has one of the toughest schedules among wide receivers in the NFL this year. Not excited. Long-term, though, I would get all the DK Metcalf I could possibly have. 100 targets as a rookie is very unusual, and he was able to do that last year. That's only 10 less than Tyler Lockett in comparison. 900 yards, seven touchdowns already as a rookie. He set the rookie playoff record with 160 yards in a playoff game. He's one of 10 wide receivers to top 60 yards in nine separate occasions in 2019, again, as a rookie. 
He just needs to get a better catch percentage, uh, 58 receptions on 100 targets. That's obviously not going to cut it. But he was a raw receiver who got a fucking knee scope two weeks before the season started last year. I'm all about DK Metcalf, and I think he surpasses Tyler Lockett this year. And somebody tells me Russell Wilson's getting a little pissed about knowing that he's a top three quarterback in the league and Pete Carroll not letting him be. So as much as Aaron Rodgers, I think, kind of goes like against the grain this year, Russell Wilson could too. And if that's the case, you're just – I mean, DK Metcalf could be Julio Jones if they turn him loose. And um, he has a physical profile. I think it could happen. Love me some DK Metcalf. Not in redraft. But in Dynasty, I'm all about it. I was just going to say that Julio Jones is like the perfect comp for him. And yes, Russell Wilson is arguably the best Looking quarterback. Uh, do, not do, doesn't have quite the 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 dual threat weapon of, of a Lamar Jackson, but he's the most accurate quarterback in the league, hands down. He used um, to when he was younger and he was running yeah. more. He oh was, yeah, when he was younger, for sure. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, moving on to tight end, so I'm going to go with Irv Smith of the Minnesota Vikings, and this is pretty simple. Sneaky. Kyle, Kyle Rudolph ain't going to be around much longer, and he's not that good. Um, and Stefan Tiggs is gone. So his target share, even with Kyle Rudolph being a threat, I think actually, quite frankly, even in redraft leagues, uh, his, his target share is probably going to go, going to go up, but, uh, but certainly, uh, beyond that, once, once they get rid of Kyle Rudolph and he becomes the, the lead dog in terms of tight ends, um, I could see him becoming uh, easily a tight end one, potentially even a top five or six tight end. The Vikings ran the most two tight end sets last year, so that's going to get Irv Smith on the field more in his second year. And Kirk Cousins, we know, loves a tight end himself. We saw the olden golden days of Jordan Reed in Washington with Kirk Cousins was awesome. I definitely believe that – and Kyle Rudolph is not sexy, but he's gotten it done somewhat over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Once Irv Smith becomes that guy in that offense, I, I also believe that he could do well. Um, all right, I'm going to move on to our last one, and we'll get out of here. I mentioned Zach Ertz already in the – Good redraft value this year, but not so much dynasty, obviously. The reason for that is Dallas Goddard. So I'm going to talk about Dallas Goddard here. Not so excited about him for redraft, but love him in dynasty. 25 years old still. 12th round ADP. Again, you basically get him for free once the rest of your roster is already filled up. Why not get a top three to five tight end this year and wait on him for a year or two? Um, I would love to do that. 58 receptions, 607 yards, and five touchdowns as a backup. That's better. That's that's tight end 10 as a backup. Um, I think he's going to be just fine. If Zach Ertz does happen to go down, uh, Dallas Goddard's top five minimum. And again, uh, if if anything moves on with Zach Ertz moving forward or Carson Wentz goes down and the, the, the dynamic changes there in Philadelphia, I think there's extra room for Dallas Goddard. Now, the same thing where they have new weapons in Philadelphia. I know that hurts kind of both tight ends. but Zach Ertz, I think, is maybe a, a couple years away from making a change or, or fading or whatever. And once that happens, Dallas Goddard is bigger, faster, stronger, and younger uh, than Zach Ertz. And I, I love him in the value that I can get him in the 12th round. If I were to sit on him this year, even getting Zach Ertz, dealing with it this year, and getting uh, the rare tight end handcuff this year, Dallas Goddard in the 12th, I think, is a steal. Indeed. I got both of these tight ends in my dynasty league, so I'm pretty thrilled right now. Smart, my man. Yo, we're going to cut out, and we're going to get to the rest of our crew for the 200th episode. Daniel, it's always a pleasure. I miss you, my brother. I hope you're all doing well. Shouts to the family, uh, and um, we will have to do this again very soon because you and I do have about 75 hours of uh, fantasy football to catch up on. So we'll get back to it real quick, man, and uh, we miss you here on the TCK pod. Right back at you. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. This is the second segment of episode 200. We're bringing in good friends, good family, good brothers, 
East Coast, West Coast brethren of the podcast, Chris Benavides. Eric, first time on the TCK pod. Welcome in, my man. Good friends, the Commish Fantasy Football Podcast. Gentlemen, how are we doing this evening? Doing all right, man. I appreciate the invite as always, and uh, I dragged Eric along with me today. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to be on, finally. I mean, I've heard a lot about this guy. I mean, I listened to your pod. Um, dude, it's an honor to be on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you, you coming on, because for a while, I thought you were just dodging us. I thought it was like a personal... <laughs> Um, but Chris made sure that it was not, and I'm glad to see that it isn't. Uh, so I'm very happy to have you on, and we'll have to get Alex back as soon, soon as possible as well. So I yeah. appreciate you guys. Hey, before we get into this, um, you know, we obviously are good friends at this point, and uh, we rep each other on each other's podcasts quite a bit. But uh, from the horse's mouth, please let us know where we can find everything commish-related. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, definitely, you know, check, go check out the podcast. That's, you know, why we're in business, basically. So it's the Commish Fantasy Football Podcast. On Twitter and on Instagram at the Commish FFP. Eric handles the Twitter side. I handle the Instagram side. Um, so if you're arguing with one of us, it's you at least know who you're, who you're arguing with. I love that you guys do that too. You know, uh, you know, Lucas is on our side as well, and he handles a little bit of the Twitter. And Eric, yeah. I think you do. I think you do a great job on the Twitter, man. You have great uh, engaging posts and uh, nice feedback as well there. So so well done. Awesome boys. Well, uh, per the rest of these segments, we're going to try to keep it as as quick as we can. And we're going to go best value players. So these are players that it's not necessarily do we like them overall? Are we, are we hankering to draft these guys per se? It's more just like looking at the value of where they're getting drafted right now in early drafts in May um, and trying to figure out where we can scoop that value of where they might end up at the end of the season. So as the guests of honor, you guys please take it away. And uh, why don't you give me your quarterback for the best value so far at current ADP? All right, so I'm going to take this one. Eric's going to handle the tight end and running back spots. I'm going to handle the QB and, and wide receiver. So my QB that I think most people can probably get at ADP value is Matt Stafford. Um, so for, for a number of reasons, uh, and I'm just going to go down a list of, of numbers I, I want people to sort of crunch on, and then I'm going to put it in context of where he sort of stacks up in relation to his sort of quarterback brethren. So right now, if you go and check out Matt Stafford's uh, relative ADP, he's coming in at somewhere around like 1920 uh, as the overall QB. ADP somewhere around like the 129.7. He's getting picked at around the 705 mark. Um, Sporting News had him at uh, number 16. The best spot that I've seen him is, is Fantasy Pros at number 13, which is probably where I like him. Now, if you look at everything else, he probably averages in somewhere around QB number 19, 18. Now, why does all that matter? So it matters, obviously, because his ADP um, seems to be pretty high. He's somewhere in that, like, tier four group of, of quarterbacks that, like, really low-end QB2, maybe even, like, a, you know, weird QB3 scenario. Um, why does that matter? So it matters because last year, before he got hurt, he was fourth in overall points per game. So he was averaging somewhere around 21 point four or five points per game. He was 0 0.09 points behind Patrick Mahomes in the season. So that just puts it into context that has to actually how dominant Matt Stafford was. The other thing though, that this is some small stats that get overlooked on Matt Stafford's end. He got sacked on average 2.25 times a game. This is in comparison to guys like Watson Wilson, who were averaging around three sacks per game. Matt Ryan got sacked 3.2 sacks per game. So there was obviously, you know, there were other quarterbacks who were having some issues, even some running quarterbacks. Kyler Murray was sacked 2.93 times a game. So he basically has good release time. He was, he was on pace to start looking at old Matt Stafford numbers last season. Completion percentage was about 64.3%. 
He, he was ninth in TD to inter, interception ratio, which was above guys like Dak Prescott at 15, above guys like Sean Watson at number 20. What I find probably the most interesting in terms of being able to grab QB2 value is his average depth of target. So when you're looking for your QB2 in a high-end QB2, let's say, you want at this point in your draft, you want guys to have upside. And guys that have upside are guys that are typically accurate, but also have what I think Lucas mentions, mentions this guy is, is the air yards, right? Air yards. So Matt Stafford was number one in the NFL with average depth of target at 10.64. Um, Jameis Winston obviously be number two. And then his deep pass rate was also number one in the NFL at 19.6%. Russell Wilson came in three percentage points under that at 16.5 as the number two. So rounding that off, Matt Stafford was actually on pace for 4,685 yards, which would have been good for third in the NFL above Goff and just behind Dak. So when we're talking about putting him in categories of QB2, he's actually putting up QB1 numbers. It's the injury that people are nervous about. If you look at the news, it looks like he's healthy. You can probably snag Matt Stafford as your high-end QB2 where he might perform like a QB1. 100%. And I've got him at number 11 right now. I've got my dog. It will talk about just a second at number 10. Uh, so he's just in the back end of the QB1s for me right now. Um, and as you mentioned, Matt Stafford, he was on pace for, for an incredible season behind just Lamar and Dak and fantasy points per game would have been number three overall yeah. too. So anyway, yeah, he's, he's great. Kenny Galladay is one of my favorite receivers this year as well. Marvin Jones is always a sleeper for me. And I think that uh, DeAndre Swift and carry on Johnson as he's healthy is only going to help out. And TJ Hawkinson in year two should obviously increase that as well. So I think that's a great pick. Matt Stafford is, is uh, automatic for me in the 13th round. That's silly. I think uh, wow. that's, that, that's a steal all day. All right, I'm going to go with, um, and I don't want this to be a sore subject, so I'll keep it brief, but uh, I'm going to go with, uh, I know that the commish, maybe uh, the commish MVP of all time, I'll go with Tom Brady in the 14th round on the non-Patriots, crushing it, overall best weapons of his career, Gronk returns, OJ Howard sticks around, Cameron Brate is still around, um, the Bucks draft, Tristan Wirfs out of uh, Iowa, the offensive tackle, which is definitely going to help. They get Keyshawn Vaughn as well to be the new James White. And Brady was QB 12 with, no offense, no weapons in my opinion. <laughs> None taken. In, in New England. I, th <laughs> I think he's top five upside easy uh, in Tampa Bay. I've got him at number 10 right now. And, again, he's in – 14th round because of the age, because of the we don't know what's going to happen. You guys know better than I do, but I fully believe after watching Tom Brady my entire life as well uh, with a non-biased opinion, he's still Tom Brady, and he's going to play with a chip on his shoulder. His goal right now is to win as many games as possible and to fucking smash um, yeah. any possible misconceptions he's got. He's got his boy Gronk for at least six good games. Evans <laughs> and everybody else. I think, I think Tom Brady is going to be – absolutely on fire this year. He and Rodgers, I think, are going to be slept on in fantasy, and I think both of them are going to tear it up. But I'm going to go with Tom Brady here as my best value quarterback uh, for 2020 coming up. But Matt Stafford is definitely on my list as well. Eric, why don't you jump into your running back, my man, please? Oof, I'm a little excited with that Tom Brady talk right there. <laughs> um, I got, you know, you got to know your audience, you know what I mean? Yeah. All right, so my running back's not the sexiest name, and Chris already agrees with this. We had a little debate pre-podcast. Um, but this is a guy where if you kind of if you kind of punt RBs a little bit in your draft uh, to start, he's a guy that you can pick up late, slide in maybe in your RB three spot in your flex spot, um, and it's Tariq Cohen. 
And like I said, the name doesn't sound too great, but if you look at his PPR finishes for the first three seasons of his career, he's been a top 30 PPR running back to start. He's finished 30th, 11th, and 27th. Um, and I think it's, it's worth noting that even with Montgomery coming in last year, he still had the most receptions in his career and the most targets. So it's not like Monty coming in is affecting his, uh, his workload in the past game. Uh, he finished with 79 catches, 456 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, he's currently being ranked 35th for running backs. So if you look at his ADP being ranked 35th, he always has that chance to, to give you top 30 value. Uh, despite being constantly raked outside of the top 30. So I think he's a sneaky late pick. Uh, definitely can add some depth to your team if you need it there. And I live by what I say. We took him in the, in the draft that we're in right now. I like it. I think, I, I think know, he's got some sneaky upside there. Again, I think if you're not a strategy per se, but if you just miss out on some of those top running backs, you're kind of forced to go, I don't want to say zero RB necessarily because I don't think that's a good strategy this year. But if you end up with – maybe one running back and like three or four wide receivers early in that fifth, sixth, seventh round. And Tariq Cohen is your RB two. I'm not excited about it as far as workload overall, but we've seen James White um, who was number seven, two years ago on pretty much pass downs al alone. And I do think David Montgomery is going to have an upgrade this year, uh, but I do like Tariq Cohen kind of sneaky. I'm not super hot on him per se, just because I don't know what I'm going to actually get with that bears offense. But Nick Foles is not the answer either. So I think that they're going to be dumping it down plenty to Tariq Cohen. So uh, nice value pick there. I'm going to go with the, uh, the Jets' uh, number one running back in Frank Gore. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm playing with you guys. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Raheem Mostert here. Ninth round ADP currently. Um, we know that last year, uh, obviously, there's a four-headed monster in San Francisco. And Kevin Coleman was the starter last year. Jarek McKinnon was going to be the guy. Um, Matt Breida was the guy. Raheem Moser was basically fourth in line. And I mention as often as possible, not to toot my own horn, but just to bring the reality of the situation, I said on the podcast this time last year that Raheem Moser was the guy. Um, and I knew that before he broke his arm in half on national television against the Raiders a couple years before that. But he's just the most talented in the backfield, I think, other than my boy Jeff Wilson Jr. So. I'm not worried about Tarek, uh, um, Jarek McKinnon, excuse me. Tevin Coleman already is a good second-tier guy, a change-of-pace guy, if you will, but he's not going to be that bell cow. Shanahan starts him because he feels obligated with their time in Atlanta, but Mostert is the guy. Run through it really quick here. Last year, he had a career year, obviously, but he had the same amount of attempts, but he did more with them uh, last year. So 772, he had 14 receptions, 180 yards, and 10 total touchdowns. But he was a running back one from weeks 13, uh, 13 on, and he paced as the running back six in PPR and running back two in non-PPR from week 13 on through the Super Bowl. We saw him go absolutely bananas, as Alex would say, I believe, um, in the <laughs> conference championship game against the Packers. 220 yards, four <clears throat> touchdowns. The Packers are pretty soft against a run game. Nonetheless, they needed to win that game. The Niners run the ball the best in the league other than maybe the Ravens and the Titans, they absolutely smash. And I think that as long as Mostert is healthy, I think he's going to be that guy this year. Don't believe McKinnon will stay healthy. Coleman just frankly isn't a threat at this point. And Jeff Wilson isn't going to get the love that he deserves. So I like Mostert as an RB1, in my opinion, in the ninth round. And you're probably going to get him as your third or fourth running back with huge upside, in my opinion. Now, of course, as a 49er, you can't bank on him 
getting you 20 touches a week, but he can do a lot more with 12 than most running backs in the league. So I like Raheem Mostert there as my value pick uh, for the running back. Let's get into wide receivers. Chris, we're turning it back to you here for your best value wide receiver. All right. So my best value wide receiver is on the team that I think is going to have the best outbreak season for offense. And that is on the New York Giants, Sterling Shepard. Now, I don't think he's going to be the most productive offensive weapon. I think that'll probably be outside of Barkley, Darius Slayton. But that being said, I think Sterling Shepard is going to make people very happy if he comes in at a wide receiver three option. The reason I say that is because right now, if you go to fantasy football pros, they have him as a tier six, number 40 wide receiver. Last year in his 10 games, now he did get hurt. So there's a bit of a pattern here to the picks that I have, both Stafford and Sterling Shepard, both hurt. So it's probably getting downgraded in their, in their value uh, in terms of the way people are ranking them for draft. But last year, he was number 20 in points per game at 14.8 points, which is actually, I mean, that's incredible. That's good wide receiver two numbers, um, not even talking flex. That's pretty solid. He was ahead of guys like pro bowler Jarvis Landry. He was ahead of John Brown, Tyler Lockett, Cortland Sutton, Stephen Diggs, Michael Gallup, A.J. Brown. He was ahead of all of these names that are right now obviously being projected above him which is fine. I, I have no, no qualms with these guys being having higher ADP value, but because he is at ADP number 40, you're going to get production like these types of players as your number, uh, as your number, most likely your number three wide receiver on the bench. So if you lock up those two, those two wide receiver spots, I like that. I like uh, having the number 40 as a potential upward of number 20. The other thing though, and this is interesting is that Shepard Tate and Slayton never played a single game together in 2019. So it will be interesting to see that dynamic. And then you throw in Evan Ingram. My guess is that there probably will be a lot of those Julian Edelman dump off passes to Sterling Shepard. He's still a young guy. Like he's only like 27, 28 years old. He's not like, he's not Golden Tate. So that's not going to be, you know, Golden Tate, I don't think will be used quite as much as Sterling Sterling Shepard should be. So overall, I feel really good about this. Um, he was 19th overall in the league with target market share at 23% on that team. He was ahead of guys like Terry McLaurin and Gallup, Galladay, and Golden Tate. Last point, if he stays healthy, last season he would have had career highs in all of his numbers. He would have had 91 receptions on 132 targets for 922 yards. Uh, I think he finished with three touchdowns. He probably would have been somewhere in the ballpark of six or seven. Again, all career highs. Um, as long as he stays healthy, he doesn't get a concussion next year. Uh, I think he kills it. I agree. And the next segment that listeners are going to hear is the third and final segment of this first uh, first section of the 200th episode. That's on my boy Josh, all the way from Manchester, England, the fantasy footballer UK. And we're going to talk about Daniel Jones and Darius Slayton, who I picked as two of my breakouts. So cool. just going along with the idea that the Giants are going to make a big splash in the NFC. The other team in the NFC, I think, breaks out as the Cardinals for obvious reasons as well. I couldn't agree more, man. I think that's fine. My only issue with Sterling Shepard is, as you said, none of those three receivers had a game together. Saquon and Evan Ingram never had a game with them either, right? <laughs> right. So there's a lot of mouths to feed, which I think helps Daniel Jones tremendously. Um, I just wonder how Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate are going to eat off of each other as they kind of play similar positions. Yeah, so I like to believe that if the offense is clicking, the, the pie just gets bigger. Right. So like just kind of going back to some of those dominant, again, we're Patriots fans. So those just kind of come to mind, but the dominant Patriot um, performances, the whole teammate. So 
I can just see that being a thing. And my guess is that Sterling Shepard has a, has a big part in that. And again, good value in those middle rounds. Most definitely. Another guy for me, I'm going to go with uh, the middle rounds as well. Kind of a, you know, also part of a three-headed monster, if you will, maybe four, depending on how the Rams go. And that's Robert Woods in the fifth round, ADP. Um, kind of been like s- sleepy value his whole career, essentially. Um, he's, he's kind of quietly led the Rams in targets the last two years um, with Cup just behind him there. Uh, last year, he had 90 receptions, 1,134 yards, and um, just two touchdowns. So career highs across the board, but just two touchdowns. We know that that uh, Jared Goff likes Cooper Cup down in there. Obviously, they had Todd Gurley as well with 14. Um, Cam Akers, I think, is awesome, but he's not Todd Gurley. Uh, Darrell Henderson and Malcolm Brown obviously are not Todd Gurley, or they wouldn't have gone to get Cam Akers. So um, I think this helps Jared Goff with all these weapons. I love my boy Josh Reynolds, who we'll talk about on another segment here, but he's more of a deeper sleeper that we still have to see happen. Um, Cooper Cup is going in like the third round, maybe even second, depending on PPR leagues. I might just wait an extra couple of rounds and get some value on a very similar receiver with upside and, and a very, very steady floor in uh, Robert Woods. I would be thrilled if I had two or three stud running backs, uh, uh, wide receiver one, like a Julio Jones, for example, and then I ended up with Robert Woods as my uh, wide receiver two. He's never really going to win you a week, but he's not going to lose one either. And I, I love that when you're starting to bolster that middle part of your roster. Another name I'm going to mention, I didn't want to bring up rookies just because in these segments it's tough because you just don't know what to expect. Yeah. One guy that I'm, I'm targeting in a lot of leagues, in deeper leagues here as a rookie, is Michael Pittman uh, for the Colts. Dude's an animal anyway. And if it takes this whole year, T.Y. is going to be gone next year one way or another. And if River sticks around, um, or Eason takes over, I think that uh, Michael Pittman's going to be a number one pretty quickly in the league, and he's basically free right now because there's a lot of other sexy rookie wide receiver names. But uh, Michael Pittman going to the 10th round is, is a steal for me and certainly a value. Let's jump into the tight ends really quickly, and uh, we'll get out of here, guys. Um, Eric, why don't you go ahead and take away for your tight end? All right, cool. Um, so everybody knows tight ends are kind of a barren wasteland as it is. <laughs> If you don't, uh, if you don't land any of the top tight ends, you're pretty much taking flyers week to week on as far as consistency. So we're going to head over to the NFC and we're going to take a look at Blake Jarwin. Uh, Love it. Love his it. ADP here. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned on Twitter that you're a big Blake Jarwin fan. So, uh, his ADP is 27 for tight ends, uh, according to the sleeper app. And that's kind of relevant because looking at guys like they have Gronk ranked higher, they have Najoku, Eric Ebron, all these names that, <laughs> that really aren't that enticing. And then we look at Blake Jarwin, who's only 25 years old. Old man Witten finally left. They finally got that guy out of Dallas. <laughs> He's got 83 targets vacated just from the tight end spot. I mean, we looked at Witten last year. It comes out of retirement, and he still posts top top 12 tight end numbers. I remember, just to add to that, on, on, on our Thanksgiving episode, we had, we had him ranked 10th for Jason tight ends. Jason Witten, yeah. Yeah, you only started him on Thanksgiving. You only started him on Thanksgiving, that's it. <laughs> Against the Giants, yeah. Yeah, he vacates 83 targets, and he had a stat line of 63 catches, 529 yards, four touchdowns. Coming out of retirement, the guy was holding a mic six months ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we look at that, I mean, and then we got uh, Randall Cobb vacating another 83 targets, mm-hmm. uh, 55 catches, 828 yards, three touchdowns. I saw a lot of Blake Jarwin hype pre-NFL draft. And then I think C.D. Lamb coming on to, to the Cowboys kind of scared everybody a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to be an issue. I think Lamb soaks up most of Randall Cobb's uh, vac- vacated targets. 
Jarwin should take over everything that Witten left behind. Mm-hmm. And if we're looking at that, he's got top 15 upside, but he's being ranked almost at the 30th for, for tight ends. Bananas. That's bananas. <laughs> I, I, I totally agree with you, man. I, I got Jarwin as, as one of my sleepers in general. Going to the 15th round right now in ADP as well. Um, again, I'm with you, and you're right. Witten was a top a, – a t- a tight end one somehow, basically running in. <laughs> You know, six uh, six yard out routes and curls. So I'm with you. I'm Blake Jarwin all day. I'm not as worried about C.D. Lamb in year one, and we'll see if uh, Blake Jarwin can make that leap. But he's he's easy easy money late rounds. The next one is definitely on the hype train, and I'm not sure that he's going to be a value by the time drafts actually happen. But my guy's Tyler Higby. Currently, he's in the eighth round. So if you're drafting, get him now because in about three months, uh, when everybody else is drafting, he'll probably be in the fifth round with Mark Andrews. I think both these guys with Mike Kosicki could be this year's Mark Andrews getting drafted in the 10th rounds or later. Um, Tyler Higby, I got stats for days, but for sake of time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shorten it up a little bit. He was the tight end five after week 10. So Gerald Everett was the guy last year. He had a great kind of breakout himself for the Rams, and then he got injured, and Tyler Higby took over. And essentially, with Todd Gurley's issues, the Rams basically molded their offense around Tyler Higby, and he was an absolute beast down the stretch. Uh, he had 500 yards over the final five games, which, again, any 100-yard game for a tight end is a weak winner, essentially. Plus, he's got the, the touchdown upside in that offense, which should still be high-powered-ish uh, with all those weapons, and, and they do like the tight end position. Last point here on Tyler Higby that I like, which is just a general um, boat of confidence from, from uh, Sean McVay and the Rams offense. In 2017, they had 88 targets to the tight end position. In 2018, they had 84 targets to the tight end position. Last year, they doubled that to 156 to the tight end position. And remember, Brandon Cooks was hurt a little bit. Cooper Cup was hurt a little bit. Todd Gurley wasn't Todd Gurley. But most of those guys played most of the games. Brandon Cooks is gone, but I don't think Vaughn Jefferson and and Josh Reynolds are going to get that much of the target share back to where Tyler Higbee is going to lose out. Even if he goes to 120 targets, that's still 40 more from the previous couple years. This dude's a beast. He, I didn't even know he was in the league until last yeah. <laughs> year. And this, is, this was going to be his sixth year. Um, and, the, uh, and the Rams have that sneaky pass protection. Under, yeah, right? <laughs> first, first in pass protection, 31st in run protection. So <laughs> I like it a lot, man. Tyler Higby is definitely my guy. So, yo, we got to cut it short uh, as we're doing these quick segments. But I really appreciate like it, man. you coming on quick. Uh, I know it's late night East Coast, but uh, I, I love you guys, and I appreciate you coming on. and making it a quick, uh, you know, a quick, call it a quickie. Call it a quickie. (laughs) Uh, I appreciate you guys. And uh, really quick, before we get out of here one more time, let us know where the TCK Potters can go find the commish crew. Definitely go check us out on Apple, Google play and Spotify, the commish fantasy football podcast and uh, on social media, Instagram and Twitter at the commish FFP. We are coming out with merch soon and a website will be coming out very, very soon. Little plug right there. Stay tuned in the next couple of months. We have some big news. Awesome, man. I appreciate you guys. Take care. All right. Thanks, guys. See you, bud. All right, folks. We're back for another section of the 200th episode. This time, we got my longtime buddy, one of the first podcast episode guests on, certainly the first international guest. We have Josh Knott all the way from Manchester, England in the UK, the Fantasy Footballer UK on Instagram and everywhere else. Josh, it's really, really nice to have you back on, man. We've been trying to do this for a while. Thank you so much for carving out the time. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Paul. How are you? I'm you doing, doing good? Really well. Doing very well, man. I'm, I'm excited to have you. And like I said, when I was thinking about this 200-episode collab, I had to make sure to have you on. Uh, first of all, yeah, you were the first, uh, 
you were the first, you know, international uh, brand that we had on the podcast, um, but also just really one of the first guests in general. And you and I had connected through Instagram and then finally had a video. And, um, you know, I was just very, very impressed with how you came on the first episode uh, when we were breaking things down last summer with the statistical breakdowns and the analytics and everything, which of course, Lucas and I love uh, here on the podcast. So you definitely came correct, man. And I appreciate that. And you've had a great account up on Instagram for quite a while. Um, one of the first ones in UK that I know of for fantasy football. Um, so yeah. I want to make sure that all my listeners are going to find you uh, as well. So um, please let everybody know really quickly where they can find you and let's get going. Yeah. So um, on Instagram is kind of my main um, platform. So uh, at the fantasy football UK on Instagram, we've also got a Facebook handle as well, the same one. Um, and we're actually starting up, uh, starting up a YouTube channel very soon, um, which is at, the fantasy football uk so you can just search that or search hashtag ffuk nation and it should come up as well um so hopefully we're going to start recording in the next couple of weeks uh, get that set up and uh, start bringing some nice uk content to you guys from the us as well you got it brother right on man well we will we will get on to that we'll make sure that all our followers go and, and give you a subscribe and a follow on ig as well all right brother let's get right into it man these are quick segments again so let's knock it out we are breaking down some breakout candidates. So these are players who are going to outpace what they've done in the NFL and or fantasy football so far in their career. So some of these guys are second-year players who only have a rookie year to compete with. Others are veterans who have a, a number of years, uh, but they have a new opportunity. They have a, a new team, whatever it may be. So uh, they're looking to outpace their NFL stats, but also their fantasy um, stats so far in their career. So I'll kick it off here with the quarterbacks, and per usual, we're going to do one position uh, each, um, uh, one player per position each, and uh, we'll, we'll knock this out. I'm going to go first here, Daniel Jones, um, who I had actually mentioned in a, in a previous segment with Daniel, um, as far as players that I think uh, have great, you know, dynasty and, and redraft value. Uh, so, you've, you know, the listeners have heard this a little bit, but for this segment, I wanted to bring him back. Um, 3,000 yards, almost 300 yards on the ground as well in just 13 games last year. Um, he did not play a single game with Saquon Barkley, Ingram, Shepard, Tate, and Slayton all on the field at the same time. He yep. now has Jason Garrett coming over from Dallas, who was with Dak Prescott, who Dak Prescott was a top six to eight quarterback each year. He played under Jason Garrett, so I love that for Daniel Jones. Just his second year out of Duke, I think he's going to have a huge stride. Um, and we're going to talk about another player on his team that I think is also going to break out this year at the wide receiver position. But for me, Daniel Jones is an easy pick with the value too. going right now in the 14th round. I think that's going to raise as the summer goes on, but I really like Daniel Jones also in fantasy football. We love those quarterbacks that add that rushing element. And he does as well, again, with almost 300 yards, I think he could be closer to 3,500, 4,000 yards, um, with 16 games and he could get over, you know, four, maybe even 500 yards rushing. Uh, we're talking about Josh Allen at that point. You can get him in the 14th yeah. round right now. So I like Daniel Jones a lot at quarterback. Yeah, I, I, I think his, um, his upside's quite good. Um, I think now they've added Dion Lewis behind Saquon Barkley as well. That's quite good because um, last season they didn't really have that much depth in terms of pass catching uh, running backs. So they've now got Dion Lewis back uh, over from Tennessee and you've obviously got Saquon Barkley. So he has got that upside. The only thing I'm slightly worried about is his fumbling, but that's obviously his rookie campaign, so you can't really pin too much like that on, on a rookie. Um, my breakout is Kyle Murray. Um, so I know quite a lot of the fantasy community have kind of said Kyle Murray is going to be a big blow-up year this year. And um, I'm kind of under the radar, but 
on the radar, riding that bandwagon. Um, he's been drafted in the fifth round, which is quite high compared to where most quarterbacks are being drafted. Um, but in his rookie campaign, he had over 500 yards rushing, which, like you said, is kind of a main thing that we really, really like in fantasy football. Um, but I actually did a bit of comparison to Lamar Jackson's rookie campaign. So I know Lamar Jackson didn't play 16 games. But what I did do is I did an average based on passing attempts. So if Lamar Jackson did the same passing attempts as Calamoy did in his rookie campaign, he would have had um, just over 100 more passing yards. He would have had one less touchdown and two less interceptions. So but basically the exact same numbers in the rookie campaign, just obviously spread out over a full campaign. And I think Kyle Murray now with DeAndre Hopkins in his second year, it's only going to get better. They're passing way, way more than we would expect, especially from a rushing quarterback who's under six foot like Kyle Murray. Um, I think there's nothing but sky for that guy. So I totally, I totally agree. I love, I love, love Kyle Murray as well. Right now he's in my top four quarterbacks. I think he is for most people. And behind, uh, behind Mahomes and Prescott or behind Mahomes and Jackson, it's basically yeah. Prescott or Murray for that number, uh, number three. Yeah, I've gotten top four. So. Love it. Cool, man. I'm actually going to, I'm going to tag team on the Cardinals here and I'm going to go with Kenyon Drake as my breakout running back. Uh, I spent a couple of years not drafting Kenyon Drake when he was with the Dolphins because it was so frustrating. You knew he was the yeah. best player on the team, definitely the best running back, and Adam Gase just refused to use him. Well, he finally gets traded over to Arizona midway through the season last year, over 800 total yards and eight touchdowns with Arizona in just eight games. I love that. Um, he, you know, the, the Cardinals drafted Eno Benjamin, who I actually like, Arizona State. Uh, obviously, they're in the Pac-12 with the Ducks. So, so uh, as a Pac-12 guy, I, I watch a lot of Arizona State ball. Um, but Eno Benjamin, I think he's going to be a change of pace guy with Chase Edmonds. Yeah. Cliff Kingsbury likes to go with one running back. I like Kenyon Drake uh, quite a bit. Um, and obviously that offense is going to take a huge leap, much like the Giants, uh, as you just mentioned, with New Hopkins, um, second year of Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, I think there's nothing but, but uh, good things for Kenyon Drake as well, and I expect this offense to do very well. My only concern is they have a bit of a, of, of a tough schedule um, overall, opening up with San Francisco, which is going to be tough. But Kenyon Drake basically doubled all of his stats in a second um, half of the season last year with Arizona from Miami. So I like him a lot. I expect him to be well over a thousand total yards uh, and maybe even double digit touchdowns. So I like a breakout from uh, Kenyon Drake this year. And and if he stays healthy, I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to take very long. Yeah. I think that's a really good pick as well, especially where you're going to, where you're going to draft him. You're not going to be drafting him as one of your top two running backs. You're probably going to be drafting him around where you'd get a flex and he can bring top 12 value because it's PPR or half PPR. Like they obviously traded um, David Johnson away, so they've got full confidence in Kenyon Drake and offered him an extension on his contract. So you've you've got that bob on, I think. Um, my blow up this year is going to be Chris Carson. Now I know he's been in the league um, a few years already. I think it's three years, um, but every year he seems to have progressed in how he's playing. Um, he's been more used in the passing game. Um, in his second year, he had around twenty receptions. Last year, he had thirty-seven receptions. So even if you have it kind of 30, 35 receptions are still a decent amount in PPR. Um, obviously, they didn't really add any kind of value in the draft at running back behind Chris Carson other than Rashad Penny that's been there for a few years. Um, I think this year is probably his best year for running. Um, I've got him started out at around 256 PPR points in full PPR, um, which would have put him at ninth at the end of the season, which I think where you're going to get him kind of mid 
third round. I think for someone like that, he's going to be invaluable to someone, especially if you go wide receiver heavy in the first two rounds. Um, I think he could be a really good steal, especially if he starts dropping because people like that, because they don't see the PPR value, he could he could drop to the end of the third, early fourth. So you could end up getting him on the turn with someone like uh, Miles Sanders who's going at around the same point. Yeah, I like that. And you may even be able to drop him in the fourth round too because while he does catch the ball a little bit, he's not a pass-catching back, as you would say. Uh, I like Chris Carson a lot too. I think that the Seahawks are going to throw the ball a lot more this year. Um, I love Russell Wilson. He's number five for me right now, yeah. quarterback. But um, DJ Dallas out of Miami, I, you know, he's he's solid, I think, but he's a change of pace guy. And Rashad Penny, I'm not, I mean, he might even start on the pup. He may not even play yeah, this year. Exactly. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, if Marshawn Lynch comes back, that's obviously going to hurt Chris Carson. Uh, but we don't know that that's going to happen yet as of this podcast, yeah. at least. So uh, I like Chris Carson a lot. Um, why don't you double up, man, um, and go with your wide receiver here as well? Yeah, so my wide receiver is a bit further in the depths of the draft. So my wide receiver to break out this year is Deontay Johnson um, from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, he's been drafted at the moment at the early to mid 11th round. So basically, he's just a dart throw at the end of your draft. And a steal. Um, for, for, for a, for a pass-heavy offense that the Steelers will be when Big Ben is back, every year that he's been healthy, he's been in the top three in pass yards and pass attempts. Um, so we know he's going to throw the ball, and we know that they can support two top 15 wide receivers when they had Antonio Brown and Juju. Um, so we know we can get the volume. Obviously, they've got James Washington and Clay um, and Claypool that they drafted in the, in the rookie. Um, but... I, I don't see either of them two really competing with Deontay Johnson. Um, last year, uh, he, was, he, he was able to kind of get over 30% wide receiver two numbers, um, which compared to a lot of the rest of the league, don't even get wide receiver two numbers even 20% of the time. Um, it was just the amount of attention that he got targets-wise. Obviously, he had Devlin Hodges and Mason Rudolph throwing the ball. And, I mean, I'm pretty sure I could get <laughs> rubbish numbers yeah. through them. So, um, no, I think Big Ben's going to be a huge, huge value for Deontay Johnson. And I think he's going to be a league-winning wide receiver because you're going to get him so late. I agree. Claypool could definitely cut into that, but you know, people are saying he might be tight end and all this other stuff, whatever. Uh, they do have Eric Ebron now, obviously Vance McDonald's still around potentially if he's, if he's on the team when they get into it. But uh, I like the call with Deontay Johnson. I think he definitely surpasses James Washington. So good call mm-hmm. there. My wide receiver is in kind of the middle of the pack and doubling up with uh, Daniel Jones here. So again, I expect Daniel Jones to break out at quarterback. A big reason for that is I think Darius Slayton wide receiver takes a huge leap in Year two, as a rookie, he played 14 games, 48 receptions on 84 targets. So anybody close to 100 targets as a rookie is pretty incredible. So I like that a lot. 740 yards and uh, eight touchdowns. Now, as I mentioned, my only concern with uh, Darius Slayton in general is, as I mentioned with Daniel Jones, there was not one game last year for the Giants where Barkley, Ingram, Shepard, Tate, and Slayton all played in the same game because of injuries and whatnot. So if all of those guys are on the field, there's definitely a potential that Darius Slayton is fourth or fifth in the, in the options. However, both, uh, uh, both Tate and Shepard are slot receivers, in my opinion. Saquon Barkley's out of the backfield and more of a, a, a dump-off situation. And Evan Ingram is awesome, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy. So I do think there's an opportunity that really no matter what, Darius Slayton is going to get his numbers, and he showed last year on a couple deep bombs that he's able to do that. And I think he's the only true deep threat 
for the Giants. So I like Daniel Jones and I like Darius Slayton. And of all of the weapons for the Giants, Saquon, obviously, I'm, I'm loving to get. But Daniel Jones, I can get way late in drafts. And Darius Slayton, I'm going to take a risk on as well as maybe my wide receiver four. I think there's huge upside there. Yeah, it's definitely worth the risk. I mean, you're not paying much for it. I mean, you could get a huge payout. I mean, we've seen like we did a few years ago, Vidal Beckham being there, even Victor Cruz back in the day. They can support, I mean, that kind of offensive scheme where they do use running back in the passing game, but they do pass the ball quite a lot. And like you said, you've got Daniel Jones as your breakout this year. It's only going to go hand in hand with a wide receiver, especially deep threat um, and red zone as well. So I completely agree. 100%. Why don't you double up here and uh, get into your tight end, man, and we'll get out of here once I give mine as well. Yeah, so my tight end breakout this year is kind of off the back end of a successful last year. Um, is Tyler Higby at the Rams. Um, so back end of last year's last fi- final five games of the season, he averaged over 500 yards and over 50 receptions, which is over, over 100, I think it was 104 yards per game, which is crazy at tight end. Awesome. So, I mean, he, he won me a fantasy championship in one of my home leagues. So I was uh, pretty chuffed with that. But what I did do is I kind of humbled him a little bit in my projection. So I took him down to 60 yards a game, which is about average for a, a decent tight end. Um, and he came out at around 208 PPR points over the, over the course of the season. So I, I had a look at last year where that would have put him. And that would have put him seventh overall at tight end. And he's been drafted in the 12th round. So if you can go wide receiver and running back heavy in the first kind of seven, eight rounds and then get a steal of a quarterback back at the single digit rounds and then you don't even have to get a tight end until the double digits like Tyler Higby. And I think he really could be a huge, huge value. He finished 16th last, well, he's been drafted as 16th overall this year. So 16th drafted tight end and he could finish as a seventh. I think he could finish even higher. Jared Goff has been an absolutely pass-heavy monster the last couple of seasons, over 4,000 yards in both seasons. And now Todd Gurley's gone. They haven't really got a true pound it running back. Cam Akers was drafted, but we haven't really seen anything yet. Obviously, he's a rookie. Um, and then, obviously, Darrell Henderson. Um, again, we didn't really see much out of his rookie campaign. Um, he is a pass-catching back, so I think they're going to go much more pass-heavy. Obviously, Brandon Cooks went to the Texans. Um, so there are only two wide receiver passing threats is Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. I think Tyler Higby, they, they flexed him out similar to how um, Travis Kelsey gets flexed out for the Chiefs. I think he could be a similar type of player because he's not a big, huge body like a Gronk where they just throw the ball up. He is a, he's a refined route runner. So I think he's got a similar output to what Kelsey could have, maybe a little bit humbled. That's why I've got him kind of late singles, seventh, eighth overall at tight end. I agree. I've got him in my top eight initial rankings as well. Uh, The only concern, of course, is Gerald Everett, but I don't think, obviously, he got outpaced last year, so I'm not worried about that. Um, One player for the Rams that I I have in another segment on this is is Josh Reynolds. Uh, I think Josh Reynolds is going to be awesome. Obviously, they have uh, Von Jefferson as well. So there's other options for the Rams, but I agree with you that Tyler Higby is a unique style tight end, kind of a George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, athletically and body build. And similar to my guy, Mike Kosicki, who I'll get into in one, one second. So I like, I like that call a lot. I think Higby's going to be great. And also for you, last year, it feels good as a fantasy owner to have Higby as he – you picked him up off of waivers, I'm sure, last oh, yeah. year, and he went and helped you win the league. So that's a good taste in your mouth versus some of these guys that burn you, and then you have to come back another time and, yeah. and try again. So I like that call a lot. Another one uh, in kind of that impressed in the back half of the season – 
that has kind of a positive um, uh, recency bias is Mike Kosicki for me for the Dolphins. So he ended the season with six or more targets in eight of his final nine games, and he scored all of his touchdowns five over the last six games. So obviously I love that. Now, mind you, that is when Devontae Parker was also crushing it, right? So Miami had no run game last year, so obviously that's going to change a little bit um, with Matt Breida, uh, you know, coming in down there and Jordan Howard. But Tua is a whole other conversation. I don't want to dive into that too deep on this one. But Fitzpatrick, while he's in there, he's going to fucking chuck it. We know that. Tua is going to get his chance potentially if he's healthy, but I don't think it's right away. And we know that Fitzpatrick does like the tight end and he's going to be able to, to um, target him. So Kasiki is able to basically uh, double all of his stats, uh, 51 to uh, 51 to 22 uh, on his um, receptions and, you know, 570 yards to 202 as a rookie. And then again, five touchdowns last year, none as a rookie. So I think he's going to be a big part of this Dolphins offense who outside of Devontae Parker don't really have a lot of weapons. Um, I do like, you know, Preston Williams. He's all right. But at the same time, he was hurt. So it'll be interesting. But I like Mike Kosicki a lot to shine in in year two. And again, uh, I think he's just one of these super late tight ends that, you know, he could totally bust because we don't have a track record. However, it's worth I mean, if you punt tight end the entire draft, you could get maybe Mike Kosicki and Tyler Higby in the 13th yeah, exactly. 14th round. <laughs> One of them's going to work. Get them back to back, and you could swap them out per matchup and all that stuff. So um, I like both these picks, actually, uh, Tyler Higby and then uh, my guy, Mike Kosicki. Yeah, I, I do like Mike Kosicki this year. Um, obviously, Preston Williams in his first few games when he was healthy playing for the Dolphins, he got quite a few targets. Um, but then again, <laughs> two is a whole new conversation, like you said. So we have no idea. Rookie rookie quarterbacks usually favour a, a, a couple of targets. They don't really spread it around as much as we'd expect of veterans. So if, as long as Mike Gesicki in camp seems to get um, the best friend tag with uh, with Tua, then you never know. He could get peppered even more than we project. So um, I think it's all down to the next couple of months and what trends we see. Um, and you never know, Tyler Higby and Mike Kosicki could end up going up in ADP just from news reports because obviously it's still only early May at the moment. I think both those guys could be this year's Mark Andrews, and I'm willing to, to take the risk on that in the 12th plus round. Awesome, Josh. Well, again, nice and quick, man. I appreciate you. Those are the break that, the breakouts as of May. You know, we might do this all over again in July. It could be a totally different list. But, Josh, it's always really, really nice to have you on. Uh, please let us know one more time where we can find all of your content. Yeah, so uh, main platform Instagram at the Fantasy Footballer UK. Uh, same handle on Facebook. Uh, and like I said earlier in, in this video, um, we're starting up a YouTube channel really soon. Next couple of weeks, we're going to start recording and getting some content out um, at the Fantasy Footballer UK and hashtag FFUK Nation on all platforms. Uh, make sure you give us a follow, comment, like, you know, all the stuff that social media guys do. Um, really appreciate it. DMs are always open. Happy to be here. Happy to talk some fantasy football for a change. Not really had a, a chance to talk to a few people about it over here. So, yes, yeah, nice to break down some players. I got it, brother. It's always nice to be across the pond. I appreciate you, man. Again, one of the first guests we had, period, on the TCK pod, and uh, certainly the first international guest, which has opened doors for some other folks, too. So, appreciate you, man. You're, you're kind of a, a pioneer in the UK fantasy football <laughs> landscape. So, uh, blessings to you, man. I appreciate your work, and uh, I know that the TCK podders are going to go and, and help you out and support. So, Josh, let's do it again real soon, man. I appreciate you. Of course. Stay safe, buddy. See you later. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.